This is season six of the Team Roping Journals podcast, The Score. With over two million downloads, this is where Team Ropers talk. Hey everyone, this is Chelsea Schaefer. Welcome to The Score. This is our Cowboy Christmas kickoff edition of this episode. Uh, also, apologies. I'm pretty sure you can probably hear my dogs jingling and panting in the background as we are recording this podcast because, you know, work from home life is a little bit different, um, but it's enjoyable nonetheless. So I have Jeremy Bueller on the podcast today. He is one of my most favorites. I am allowed to have favorites and Jeremy is definitely that because of the way he carries himself, his mental game, his willingness to talk about submarines on this podcast and a million other things. So the uh, the Beard Canada's favorite Jeremy Bueller is our guest today and we cover his position as the number one healer in the world. We talk about uh how his mental game has changed since his world title in 2016 and how he and Ren are approaching the rodeos this year, among many, many other things. We cover a lot of ground in these 38 minutes of this podcast interview, and I hope you all enjoy it. Today's episode of The Score is brought to you by ADM's Forage First Glow Feeds. Learn more about ADM on the commercial break. Well, okay, you have had a few months to be adjusted to being number one in the world because you weren't even number, you were number one in the world for like one round uh, in 2016 at the, like after the 10th round, you were number one in the world. So, so this is the longest period you've ever been number one in the world. Is that correct or am I wrong? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Any pressure there? No, not really. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um I think there's a lot more pressure being 16th than, right? than first. Yeah. Do you feel more laid back than ever in as far as your career goes and, and comfortable, or have you always just been this relaxed? Um, I don't think I've ever been really relaxed or comfortable. And, and even right now, I, I wouldn't say I feel comfortable. No? Uh, no, it's, it's kind of nice where you're at, but... To me, in day-to-day, it seems like, I don't know, maybe other guys get to where they feel comfortable, but I always feel like, even after this morning, I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like there's an adjustment in my roping that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the only time I probably really feel comfortable is when you're on a roll and things are going real good, and, and you just you don't want to mess with nothing. You just want to keep rolling. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And you, so this morning, people, you were at Greeley, and it didn't go great. What adjustment are you thinking about? Um, I changed my swing right before the corner, which is a kind of a no-no for me. Um, it's something I've had to learn in the past, so it's not my favorite thing to have to relearn things, but it's kind of the way that it goes, kind of the nature of the beast out here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what will you do? Have you, have you like just thought about it and let it go or are you going to think about it till you get to Wainwright tomorrow? No, I kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. I like to, after I wrote, I like to kind of go through the video, see what I did good, see what I could have done better. Me and Ren usually talk about it and like 
now with our buddy team we talk about it with them and stuff too mm-hmm. we just we'll kind of talk about it and break it down and then we're usually pretty quick to try to get over it and um tomorrow just before before i go or in my pregame or when i'm getting ready or whatever i'll probably just kind of touch on it and mm-hmm. maybe rope the dummy a couple times and right. i keep it pretty simple i I try to not obsess too much about it or make too big of a deal out of it anymore. Are you visualizing in the box then, like as you're in the corner? Are you clearing your mind or are you thinking like smooth swing, through, like consistent swing? What are you thinking in the box? No, normally in the box, I I sort of simplify. I just, I want to get a good start um, and just make sure that I'm focused on the feet. But I, I feel like if, if I think about it a little bit in my pregame ritual and even as simple or as silly as it might sound, if like when I'm going through my ropes, if I warm up on my ropes and just really focus on keeping my swing the exact same and feel my tip, normally by the time I go in the box, I, I try to not premeditate or think too much mm-hmm. besides just trying to latch onto my target as soon as I can. Yeah. And Haas is so good at letting you just kind of do do whatever as far as that goes. He's he's so he's one of my favorites because he's such a veteran and he look he carries himself that way. He looks that way. Yeah, he's he's cool. He he, I've been really fortunate to have him the last couple of years, and it just when you have a horse that you don't have to have in the back of your head, like, well, he might get me here. I better do this so that I have a shot here, like. With him, I'd honestly probably be just as good or better to clip the reins to the breast collar and <laughs> just ride them. And people who maybe – I always take it for granted that people read everything that we write. Um, and so I know we've talked about Haas a lot, but he came from Bucky Campbell, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think his, I think his dad, Gerald, technically – it was his horse, but yeah, it, it was all of theirs. I mean, they're they're always sharing, and everybody's riding everything. And, but yeah, it came from them. And why does he work so well with the way Ren handles steers and the kind of horses that Ren rides? I think he's just a lot of horse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's a a freakish athlete in my mind. He doesn't go around the most broke. Like he's not going to be one of them where when you're warming up he's probably not going to catch anybody's eye the right way mm-hmm. as far as like, Oh, I wonder what that horse is. But thing is, he's a, he's a freak athlete. And then he was just roped on like he's 19 this year. And he was roped on the right way his entire life. You know, like yeah. those guys are so good at riding them the same way every time. And so it's just, it's kind of almost all he knows, which I think has a lot to do with it. Do you think this, you ride a lot of futurity horses, and you have for a while. Do you think that horses like Haas are going to become less common in as the futurity game? Like, how do you see the future of that? Because he was just kind of like a great one. You said he's not going to really catch anybody's eye. Do you think there's going to be fewer Haases that come along later in life and are exceptional? You know what? I, I honestly have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like you asked me 10 years ago and i'd have like a black and white yep this is the answer mm-hmm. 
anymore, like the last few years, especially riding the futurity horses and just being out here long enough, it has a good way of humbling you and <laughs> and you you figuring out that maybe you don't know quite as much as you thought you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to me, I think there's always going to be those horses that made themselves from good or open. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's honestly something I ask myself every day, even riding futurity horses. I'm like, Hoss is the greatest horse I've ever healed on. And he doesn't do any of this stuff that I'm doing warming up on these other horses. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's the cool thing about him is is he can find he can find the right frame and, and separate and do all the right things. Even though he maybe can't do it warming up, he mm-hmm. does it every single run. So that's kind of how I justify it. And I think, like anymore, you watch the securities and, and it's wild how good so many of these guys are and how good their horses are and how good they have them working and just how good it's gotten to the point where I would think that, I mean, the knowledge that's out there, like that you guys put out and stuff like that, where if somebody wants to learn, they can dang sure learn. I'd like to think that there's probably going to be a lot more good horses out there here eventually. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I would like to think so. That's, it seems like it, but the horses, like when I think of um, Clay Tryon's great uh, do, or I, I, I don't know, there's there have been a lot of great horses that never would have won an ounce at a show. So yeah. I'm curious as to how some of those horses are going to evolve and, and, and going to grow, um, and, and who's going to be the ones making those kind of horses that, you know, that you can win three world titles on and, and rodeo on for a decade. Are those, are those going to come from the backyard? Are they going to come from the show pen? It's, it's very interesting to me right now, how that's all, or are they going to come from some ranch somewhere that, you know, somebody cowboyed on for 10 years and then boom, they became a head horse or. Wow. I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. And mm-hmm. to me, I think that there's, always gonna be the great horses that weren't maybe the high dollar yearling or two-year-old or the ones that went through a cow horse program there's always going to be the ones where the guy like you said they cowboyed on him they gave him a million steers and he found a way to work yeah i mean which i i really like that part of the game you know what i mean mm-hmm. I, I like the technical part but it's kind of a cool x factor to think that some guy put his heart and soul into a horse and was maybe learning as he went along with him and and the horse found a way to, you know, be a great one, even though he might not have all the buttons. Now, with that being said, I think riding, if you're planning on riding a lot of horses and doing it over a period of time and stuff, I, I think that you're probably better off in the long run to have a blueprint and, and sort of better knowledge of the horsemanship and how to get them to do those maneuvers as opposed to just throwing a tie down on them and, and giving it to them, you know? Yeah, I know like uh, Trevor said that you can – consistent cues can be consistent cues. Like you can do it wrong. If you do it wrong for long enough and still are showing the horse the way you want it done, like you can come up with a horse in the end as long as you're consistent with with what you do. So I think I think guys like – you know, I, I hear a lot of the guys that teach a lot of schools like Jake Barnes or Corey Coons. They'll say, man, this this guy brought this number three, brought this head horse to to one of my schools, and I had to have it. Like, you know, I, yeah. I, I bought it at, at at a clinic, and I I hear that a lot, and I bet we still hear that for. 
but I hope those horses are even better than they were. You know, ten, yeah. they, they might not be show horses, but they might be even better versions because of all the knowledge um, and availability of information now. So maybe we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just the cool part of the game. It's the, you know, it's the same old deal. It's kind of some of the school of hard knocks versus the, you know, school of being technical and having it in, in a perfect world. Like, uh, I like to have, I like it when you have a horse that's the right kind, that's athletic enough. And, and hopefully the more that we do this, the more you can kind of pay attention and, and learn as you go and try to do the right things, just to kind of make the learning curve easier on yourself and the horses. I mean, that's sure that's the end goal, but I think it, it's always going to be cool because those horses are always going to pop up out of nowhere that end up being really good ones. Yeah, I think it's like in, in basketball or football or, or baseball, any any sport, there's amazing athletes that come out of the inner city like public school system and are just freaks and did the school of hard knocks versus kids that went to like elite academies or the IMG sports academies or whatever. Like, I, I don't know what the breakdown is in the NFL for, you know, for those things, but who knows? It's It's interesting. Yeah, for sure it is. Yeah. yeah. Now you are fixing to go to Canada tonight. You said you're going to fly. How are you guys rodeoing differently um, as far as prioritizing Canadian rodeos this year? Well, last year, Ren um, had a lot going on, and he couldn't make it to Canada at the start. So I roped with a good buddy of mine, Roland McFadden. And then Wren um, ended up coming up for, like, Wainwright, Anoka, and those ones. Well, we ended up having quite a bit of luck. We we won a little at Wainwright. We won Anoka. We ended up in a spot where it was like, if we could get his count in, we could probably make the finals. So it was sort of a last-minute thrown-together deal, which it made it hard because um, if you don't get your rodeo count in, and get a good start like through june up there Mm -hmm. there's a lot of back and forth just because of the overlapping and like scheduling and stuff like that so this year what we did different was ren planned on coming up early and wanted to go to a mall like right now i think we'll get our 15 rodeos in here at the end of next week but i mean still that's not saying that we won't have to rodeo more later on hopefully we don't but the roping's getting to the point where it's staying sure good enough up there that a, a guy can't just plan on going to 15 and having the finals made like that's the goal but i mean you kind of have to be in it for the long haul because it's it's not like it's just a cakewalk to win up there yeah are, are things getting better for team ropers up there yeah. yeah yeah this year is a lot better um every year it's getting better like they got even money at the finals here you know i don't know the exact year but a few years ago and then now there's a lot of the regular season rodeos that are actually starting to add even money and, or building towards having even money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I think it's all headed in the right direction for sure. For people who might not be familiar, gosh, it's been 10 years since we did a story on like the state of Canadian team roping. For people who might not be super familiar – what is different in Canada or what has traditionally been different in Canada in the team roping versus, you know, the other events? Well, forever, like it wasn't a major event for a long time. 
Mm-hmm. Like it, it's all fairly new up there. Um, and there was, there was a group of guys, sort of the first generation guys that, that came up and fought their way through it and made it better and made it better. And then there's been, it's, they've had their challenges and, and stuff like that. Like, uh, so it's only, I couldn't tell you the exact year, but team roping's only been a major event up there. Like it would kind of surprise you how, mm-hmm. how recent that is. And it's always just, it's the same sort of deal as everywhere. It's just always been a little bit of a struggle for, mm-hmm. for some of the old school guys to understand that, you know, even money versus double money or whatever, which I mean, I, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I don't, I think it's pretty simple that if you're both paying your own fees and, and whatever, it's a pretty simple deal. But, um, I guess it's always just kind of been hard because there's been some guys that are a little bit of a stick in the mud that, that don't really want that. Even though it's not taking away from their event, they still don't want you to have it because they don't agree, which I've never understood that. There's guys like Lyle Kurtz that have offered to put up all the all the added money and the whole deal, and they, they still wouldn't go for it. So, I mean, it's just it's been a struggle, but it's honestly getting a lot better now. And, and like I said, everything's moving in the right direction, so that's that's good. Okay, help me because I feel like a dumb person asking this question. But it, what's the Calgary team roping situation this year? It's coming up as far as Calgary. Is there what did they decide? Um, I forget. I don't know exactly what it is. It's not. It's not in the big rodeo yet, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's sort of the second or third year. I, I guess you could call it the third year that they've been. Um, they basically added team roping. It's in a different arena, but it's during the Calgary Stampede, which, I mean, for me, growing up, I was always told, like, there would never be team roping at the Calgary Stampede, you mm-hmm. know, and which kind of sucked because it was a cool rodeo that you go to, and they always have a lot of added money, and it's always good to go and see. And But so, in a way, it's, it's a win already just having it included. You know what I mean? Even though it's not even in the big rig. Like, there's a long way for, for it to go, but it's pretty cool because now there's some guys that are in there that are working their tails off, and, and you know, they're starting to they're starting to bring it around, and it's it's going to – I think that eventually it'll be a part of the big rodeo. Yeah. Um, changing gears a little bit, this is a random question. I don't think I've ever asked a team rep this question, but I feel like you watch the news. Do you pay attention to what's going on? Like, when you're rodeoing – are you watching the mainstream news at all or watching flipping through TikTok watching the news? Like do you do you stay hooked into the rest of the larger world while you're rodeoing? <laughs> well, me and Dawson, we were just talking about it today. We just seen the submarine deal that lost track. Or That's exactly that. what I wanted to talk to you about. So that is where I was going with this. <laughs> I knew if anybody knew about the submarine, it would be you because I've had trouble focusing today following the submarine news. <laughs> No, I know. We've been, we've been trying to get more information on it just because it's interesting, kind of crazy to think. But as far as, like, all of the mainstream media, it's it's hard to keep track. I mean, we we follow it or I follow it a little bit, but a guy's got to pay attention because if it starts getting frustrated or if you start getting overwhelmed, I'm pretty quick to turn it off and, yeah, you know, not pay much attention. It's yeah. kind of a... 
It's kind of a zoo out there, it seems like. Right? I know, I know. But I'm grateful for TikTok, at least, because I can get, like, my news in 45-second clips, <laughs> which sounds yeah. so millennial to say, but, like, just just a little bit of information. I've, I've been down the, down the submarine rabbit hole this afternoon. Oh, yeah. Now... I one of my favorite episodes of the podcast of all time was when I had Cinegeny talk through the night he won the world, and I don't know if I've ever made you do that before. Do you like? Do you have a visual play by play of how that whole night went and like what you were doing like throughout that day? We're, we're going back. Is it seven? Has it been seven years? Almost seven years now. Yeah, it was 2016. 2016. It's been a minute, but yeah, it's still it's still pretty clear to me. What what were you doing that day? Like throughout that day, did you think I have a chance to win the world tonight? Like, were you hyper focused? What was going on in your head? No, I I knew roughly that we maybe had like a puncher's chance, but the way that it all had to shape up for us to win it was. I mean, a couple guys or a few guys had to stub their toe. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we could put the pressure on them and we could give ourselves the best chance possible. But when it all started, like, I don't think we were even projected anywhere on it. Yeah, you, you weren't in any of my <laughs> – you weren't in any of my predictions. Uh, no offense. Yeah. No, that's fine, which I don't think we were in anybody's, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. But I was just so thankful at that point in time for – the first nine rounds because driving to Vegas, like me and Katie are cruising up there and I'm like, man, it'd sure be nice if we could win like 30, 40,000. That'd be, man, that'd make our winter, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we ended up winning the first round and placing in the first few rounds. And then, I mean, it was so cool. Levi, he just kept getting out of the barrier and kept cranking back, kept giving me chances. And then, when it came down to the last day, like I said, like I didn't have a whole lot of pressure on it because I thought we were too far down, but I was just, I was still pretty grateful for how it had been. And then when we got there, I was real nervous, but I was nervous because if we caught the last year, we would have, we won the average, mm-hmm. which the crazy sort of cool thing that I still might get a little choked up about is the whole time growing up, you know, when it was me and my brothers and sister roping the fast lane in the driveway, every time when it when we were about to be done, it was always, all right, you're at the NFR last round, you got to win the round to win the average to win the world. Well, and it was kind of cool that um, it all sort of transpired that way. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was cool that when it came down to that, that was one of my thoughts was like, well, I've ran this year 10 million times in our driveway, you know, (laughs) even if it was just on a fast lane, which that's the coolest thing about, you know, whether it's sports or, or whatever it is, is, is those moments. Yeah. I feel like when you have the opportunity to do something like that. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with you. I think that was, that's special. And, and if I remember how it went, when did you rope? When, what, like, how far into the round did you rope? I want to say we were maybe, like, sixth or seventh or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right in like, the middle there, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so where did you go? Did you go back the tunnel and, like, were you lingering? Where Did they hold you because they knew you had won the average? Where Where did you physically go? 
Yeah, so we, like, after our run. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we were, we were leading the round, and we knew at that point that we won the average. Mm-hmm. So, or I'm, I'm pretty sure we knew. I don't, I don't know that I think sure. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so we're sitting there, and we're pretty pumped about it. And then we do the victory lap and the whole deal and go and get the average saddles, and we were sitting there. And me and Levi, we were we were pretty pumped about it because we really hadn't won very many big like first at many big rodeos so it was kind of cool that we won the average of the biggest one mm-hmm. um, and yeah we were just we were super pumped and having a blast it kind of i've always said it before like that's where me and levi were different was he had always kind of planned on doing good like that where to me i was it kind of came as a surprise to me that we did that well there mm-hmm. at that time and then Whenever we did, whenever they took us to interview us, it never even really crossed my mind that <laughs> we had won the world. And then right before they interviewed us, that's what they told us. They're like, they're like, yep, all the masks in, you guys won the world. And then they like, boom, there's the lights and the cameras on. So it was, yeah, that was, that was a pretty amazing, uh, amazing deal. They kind of caught us off guard. It's one which, of my favorite moments. Like of the, I think about it when I think of greatest – NFR team roping moments that like that surprise that I think it was Katie that got to you know talk to you guys right after and that was that was cool because you had you were humble humble victors you had not had not expected it yeah for sure and and I mean there's a lot of times where like a lot of times whoever wins the world it's like you can kind of see it coming and it's kind of theirs to lose up until the end where I mean, and, and really things did go our way. Like we dang sure went and stuck to our plan and we've roped on that setup so many times that I do feel like we had a bit of an advantage, not over the field, but an advantage for ourselves that we have roped there on mm-hmm. that setup, on a setup similar. Yeah. But just for, for us to come from way back and then for the cards to fall as they did, which there's, there's a few different guys. I mean, they deserve world championships. You know what I mean? A couple mm-hmm. of them have them now. There's a couple of them that, that don't, but in my eyes, like I'm kind of surprised that they don't have them yet. Mm-hmm. And they had some tough luck there. And, and that's just, it's kind of the way that the sports go, you know? Yeah. I, I think the only other guys that I ever saw having as much fun as you all, um, in the press room that night, I, I remember, uh, turtle Powell and jet Johnson, I, I had some Coors Light spilled on me that night for sure, but you guys had a lot of fun in the press room. That was the yeah. loudest it had ever been. I kind of felt, I kind of felt not bad, but yeah, there was my crew that was there. One of my best buddies that I grew up sort of learning how to rope with Casper Roy was in there. And yeah, they were and my, you know, my brothers were there yeah, everybody, it was, it was pretty special. It was, I felt bad for the people that were in the corner kind of having a quiet moment with the family because you could hear, hear my rowdy section coming from 100 yards away down the tunnel. And they, like, <laughs> camped out because, so for anybody who's never been in the NFR press room, we're, like, we all have our computers out and we're all trying to file stories that night and we've got trying to work, like, everybody's trying to focus. And there is some Canadian hooping and hollering and and i don't know if they give you guys a box of canadian or of pendleton whiskey but there is a lot of fun being had while everybody else is like trying to work it was 
but it was joyous. It was so joyous. I I remember it fondly. I'm, I was never mad. <laughs> no, it was it was a blast. It, it's it's one of those nights where it's awesome, but the next day you're kind of like when you're driving out of Vegas, you're kind of like, huh, like how am I gonna top that? You know what I mean? Like it's the one steer that ever mattered in your life. Mm-hmm. That, that you know you made a good run on and I mean everything went your way it definitely that's something that I don't think a lot of people talk about is is sort of like what happens after Mm -hmm. the final you know what I mean after that stuff because your whole goal and and your whole the carrot that you've been chasing forever like you're kind of like the wily coyote that caught the road runner you know what I mean yeah I'm going to take a break really quick from visiting with Jeremy to tell you about today's episode sponsors at ADM. ADM's Forage First Glow Feeds are ultra-premium feeds for your equine partner. Each bag includes Grow Strong Minerals, Inside Track, which is a unique supplement to optimize hindgut health, Butric Acid, Omega Flags, and Natural Source Vitamin E, allowing you to feed the best. Learn more at ADMEquine.com. That's ADMEquine.com. Look them up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash ADM Forage First or on Instagram at Forage First underscore one. And you spent, I mean, did you make, you made the finals the next year with Tom? So, yeah, I made the finals and... We went from setting a new finals and season record to the following year. I I made it to the finals, roping with Levi, but Levi never made it because the heading was harder and uh, or took more money. I shouldn't say harder, took more money. And um, so I ended up getting paired up with Tom, and me and Tom practiced, and we had a great finals, and man, he did such a good job roping, and I feel bad, but I just... I never got off to a good start. Like the first few rounds, I just, I didn't do my job. You know, I, I look back now and it's, it's crazy how much my fundamentals, I feel like it changed, mm-hmm. but it was, it was one of those things where I, I really, I just really didn't rope good. I think I went from setting a new season earnings record the night before or the year before to being the low money winner in 2017 in I ended up, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the NFR in 2018 or 2019. And then 2020, we kind of decided that with the COVID year, we weren't, I wasn't really craving it that year. I'm to be totally honest. So we just decided to take that year. We basically went home that year instead of chasing it down. And then in 21, we kind of, after we were told that we weren't allowed to rodeo, all of a sudden it, it got exciting and we wanted to do it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It, now, did you – so did, has your mental game then shifted from – like, did that year off change your mental game other than being excited to rodeo again? Like, was it – I mean, I'm sure it was tough to go from being – like, setting the record, winning the average, winning the world – to struggling how did you refocus it was actually really hard mm-hmm. yeah 
because it was it was sort of something like it came it came and went so fast right like yeah i didn't really see it coming i feel like we maybe had i shouldn't say we i should i should say i mm-hmm. like levi he freaking felt so good but i feel like my success maybe came a little bit early mm-hmm. uh, so it's like all of a sudden boom you're on top and then you make it to the finals and you kind of think that you're never going to struggle again to the next thing you're like holy cow i need to i need to reboot figure out exactly where i'm at fundamentally and even if i still love this game you know what i mean it's, yeah i've always loved healing but anybody that's been out here will tell you it's it's hard if you have a couple bad years in a row to you know to be motivated and and whatnot like I just, I didn't feel like I was done, you know, I felt like my roping, I felt like there was a lot that I could get better at still, and luckily that's the cool thing about me and Ren roping together is, like, he kind of helped me revamp my style through 2020, where I felt like I had a better style, and, and you know, working on my horses and how I rope, so, yeah, it's, uh, I feel like my mindset's changed a lot now, I know that um there's a lot of guys that are it's easy for them to you know stay positive or or not be emotional or, or whatever and when i say emotional not like cry or nothing or, or it's, okay. Too big of a fit, it's but, okay to cry but <laughs> no i've never i've never done that from roping but <laughs> um but just working on the overall maybe being a little more professional about it mm-hmm. crying anyways and I mean, everybody still slips up, but it's just, it's crazy when you think in the last seven years when I did win the world, how much my mindset and my thoughts and opinions on, on healing and, and on a lot of different things have changed. What has roping with Ren or how has roping with Ren or maybe just how has being around Ren and, you know, being his partner and being in the rig with him, how does he push you or how does he challenge you? Well, the biggest thing is, is every guy that I've ever roped with has healed pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, but not, they've never been a number 10 that's rodeo healing and has a very, has a very high IQ on high level healing, I guess I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, ever since the first time that Ren and I roped, which was 2014, he was my... He was my first rodeo partner in the U.S. Mm-hmm. where I stayed out the full year. Like, I dabbled the year before with Dylan Parker, but with Ren was the first year that I really sort of stayed out the whole year and, and did it. And uh, with him, he just, if you've ever been around those guys, they have a pretty cool thing going on at their house, like. For sure, yeah. It's like It's like a practice facility, you know, like a, like a real practice facility where, you know, it's cool. If you, if you check your ego at the door and you go in, you're able to break it down. And a lot of people want to talk about healing with you. And, and I mean, it's just, it's a cool place and a cool atmosphere to learn. And I'd say that's probably been what's helped the most is, you know, we can break it down and talk about what happened. It's, it's not like a partnership where, 
you know, the header's sitting there going, well, and I'm sure there are times when he's like, man, I can't believe you missed that one. (laughs) But at the same time, we can sit there and we can kind of talk about it and go over it and make adjustments. You know what I mean? So that's, that's been the coolest part about it to me is, because that's the weirdest thing about this rodeo deal, I think, is you get to a certain level where you're rodeoing professionally and then coaching isn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant had coaches even when everybody knew how good they were or how special they were. Like, they were still getting coached where the rodeo deal, it, it's hard. Like, you can kind of ask and talk peers a little bit, but there's not... Uh, there's not just a lot of it, I don't think. So that's that's what I like about it is we can break it down and and whatnot. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and he's I love like you said, their facility is like a NFL combine practice facility. Like it's it's exceptional and everything that they it's 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 nice and they need healers desperately because when we went out there to film we had some very nice high school kids that took the day off school to heal for them because you were in Canada and they didn't have healers so I'm sure they also love having you there (laughs) yeah no no for sure it's well that's just it like you show up they have a lot of really nice head horses and stuff and then it's like well you gotta you know you need healers so (laughs) Yeah, you're probably very appreciated there. <laughs> no, dude, it, it's good though, and I mean, it just it makes it makes it cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, and I think it makes you better as a competitor when you can check your ego at the door and be like, okay, mm-hmm. let's talk about my game that maybe needs to get better. Let's talk about, you know, maybe uh, you know. The stuff that I'm doing good, the stuff that I could be doing better, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, sir, I told you I was going to take up a little bit of your time, but I appreciate it so much. It's It lived up to the delay in how long it's taken us to record a podcast together, but I appreciate it. (laughs) You bet. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Well, when are you guys leaving? Are you fixing to head to the airport here shortly? Yeah, I actually just jumped in the car. I'm going to go, um, I got the Grams with me. Nice. Or they're about to get in and we're just going to pick up Ren. He's at the park with his kids and we fly out tonight here in a few hours. So, Very yep. Good. Well, have Headed a, back to the home country. Yes. Have a merry cowboy Christmas. I hope you win all the money. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeremy. Bye. Thank you to today's sponsors at ADM. ADM's Forage First Glow Feeds, like I told you earlier, are an ultra-premium feed for your equine partner. Each bag includes Grow Strong Minerals, Inside Tract, which is a unique supplement to optimize hindgut health, butric acid, omega flax, and natural source vitamin E, allowing you to feed the best. Learn more at ADMEquine.com. That's ADMEquine.com. If you made it to the very, very end of this episode, I'm going to give a little shout out to our producer, Craig Jones of the Money Barrel podcast. He is the one that tolerates all of my edits, makes this sound in any way, shape or form tolerable every single week. Thank you, Craig, for everything you do for the score. We appreciate you so very much. And thank you to everybody else who listens. By the way, if you loved Jeremy, you're going to love his series on roping.com. And you can use 
promo code the score 15 that is t h e s c o r e 15 at checkout for your roping.com membership so that you can watch Jeremy's series, you can watch series with Dick, JD, Trey Yates, you can watch the old mega matches, you can watch the World Series finale, the U.S. finals, a little bit of everything is over at roping.com. Again, that's promo code THESCORE15 at checkout. Have a great week, y'all.